And on that note, I want to welcome is, everyone. When, as this meeting is being recorded, I want to. How do I press Just that? hit the continue button and you're good. Okay. On this uh, note, I want to welcome everybody to the world. According to that man, Benjamin, Jeremy, Stein, we are a little short tonight, but that was sort of done on purpose, sort of done by accident. We are going to do a shortened version of the show. We, we want to remind you we have a jam-packed show tomorrow night at the same exact time for Memorial Day. And, um, you know, Ben, Memorial Day is one of sure. those things. Isn't that when we celebrate Kamala Harris's birthday and all the heroic things that Kamala Harris did in wartime? Yes, because she is just the true savior of the human race. Um, yes, Kamala Harris, I believe, threw herself on a grenade at Iwo Jima that the Japanese had thrown at her unit, and it exploded underneath her, but she is so tough and so righteous that the grenade exploded and did her, did her no harm at all. That, I believe that was Kamala Harris. I believe Kamala Harris was also in charge of defending London against uh, Goering and Hitler's Luftwaffe, in the Battle of Britain in 1940. And I believe that she by herself on the ground with a rifle, not even with an automatic weapon of any kind, shot down over a hundred Messerschmitt 109s. I believe that's true as well. And I believe Kamala Harris, because of her righteousness and her righteous indignation over the way people of her ethnicity, which is unclear, uh, have been treated. I believe that she by herself March from Boulder to Birmingham to uh, free the African-American people from the bonds of slavery that the Colorado people had held them in for hundreds of years. And of course, this show wouldn't be complete without that man, America's humble servant, actor, writer, provocateur, saint, sinner, lover, father, grandfather, doctor, economist, but most importantly, doctor, uh, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. And that was brilliantly said, brilliantly put, and, you know, it's it's uh, just the two of us, but you reminded me of something that AOC, that dingbat, said January 6th that she, it felt like she went through war. And, yeah, well, she um, wouldn't know what war was if it came up and bit her on her ear. I mean, she that's disgusting to say, to say that in war, people get killed, they get their guts ripped out, they get their eyes gorged out and gouged out. She wouldn't know what war was like. She is a snotty, overprivileged bitch. There's no two ways about it. I, I, I mean, she, that's just my opinion. She may in reality be the best person in the world, but that's just my opinion of her as of this night right now. And I could be wrong. She, I'm, I often make mistakes and I could be wrong. She might be the most wonderful person in the world. And somebody asked the question. I'll get right to it because I like getting get people's right questions in. And just because the episode of when Ben Stein's money appeared on 9-11 in 2001 doesn't mean it was shot or but Ben and my, Ben and I were both in New York at that time to answer your question. Ben should be, who's rare, was rarely in New York at that point, happened to be there for a birthday party. My sister's birthday party, and uh, and amazingly enough, uh, we her husband and I rented a barge on the East River and hired a small orchestra to play uh, in honor of my sister's birthday and. Uh, we, uh, it was right underneath the lights of the World Trade Center. And I remember over and over and over and over and over again, looking up at the World Trade Center and thinking, wow, this is so unbelievably beautiful. It's just magnificent. There couldn't be anything more beautiful than that. I'm going to tell you something else. I, your humble servant, have very, very powerful extrasensory perception. And I was staying in Midtown at the Essex House Hotel. 
and the party was uh, off near the Brooklyn Bridge, under the Brooklyn Bridge, so to speak. And I decided I would do something daring. And instead of taking the limousine that I usually take, I took a subway down and I had to cross uh, tracks and change planes under the World Trade Center. I'd never done it before, even though I had worked near the World Trade Center for roughly two years at the Wall Street Journal. And I walked through the World Trade Center. I had the worst panic attack I have ever had in my life. I am absolutely morally certain that it was an ESP blast telling me something incredibly horrific was about to happen. But anyway, after the party, I got through there, I got to the party. After the party, I, just, I was with a, a wonderful, wonderful woman, an incredibly talented artist from New Haven, Connecticut, whom I had known when I was at Yale, uh, named Nan Adams, direct descendant of the Adamses who, who signed the Declaration of Independence. And uh, I remember I looked, I showed her the lights, and I said, have you ever seen anything more beautiful? She said, never. Well, there you are. That's your answer about when Ben Stein's money and where Ben Stein was that day. Um, but I want to get back to what you brought up about. Um, we're sort of, <clears throat> I was sort of thinking before the show about, uh, and I know we we don't look heavily on Woodward and Bernstein and whatever crap they uh, they uh, found. No, I like but I, I like Carl. No, I, mean, I know you like Carl, but you don't believe uh, you, you don't necessarily. Like but I'm saying even the publisher of the papers said the story is wasn't accurate. He didn't think they were going to parking garages at certain times. You know, he he thought they heavily exaggerated it. But I want to I want to talk about something very important: journalism, and it, it, it's extremely important. It came out today. Two stories came out in the past two days. One about, and we were sort of speaking about this the other night. And I want you to sort of explain because um, when our one guest brought up that maybe it was released as a bio weapon, and one of our other guests sort of dismissed it, um, and. It, when we both brought up the fact, and you brought up how many people, how, how many of their own communists have killed. And I want you to talk a little bit about that because a lot of people don't know that, Ben Stein. Well, young people today think that being a communist is something cool and wonderful. It's sort of like uh, being a member of some rock group or some uh, Korean rock group or something. But no, the, the communists are the worst mass murderers in history, even worse than Hitler. The communists in Russia killed far more Russians than Adolf Hitler did. And uh, of course, they were their own people. The communists in China, uh, in the course of various horrible events under the leadership of Mao Zedong, killed very roughly 100 million Chinese. And uh, so they, they, they would not uh, think uh, as much as we would about killing a very large number of their own people. And uh, I, I don't think it's at all far-fetched that they would take the risk of killing large numbers of their own people to test out a viral weapon. And uh, I think something's going on there that is very, very alarming. And uh, I, in particular, I'm alarmed by it because of my friend and the idol, Mr. Nixon, uh, uh, opened relations in a big way with China. And uh, I think had he known what uh, the Chinese were gonna turn out to be, he would have thought twice about it. So I wanna go to this thing with Dr. Fauci. There's reports from this place called The Australian that in 2012, he brought a, he, he and I showed you the piece that he the, the merits of basically harvesting viruses, seeing seeing what you could do with them in these labs. We know he has a connection to the lab and um, him saying, yes, pandemics could happen. Accident, accidents could happen. This is the guy 
I mean, and I hate when people use this analogy because it's so tiresome. It's sort of, but it's in this case, it really applies. The arsonist putting, putting, you know, putting out the fire and that this guy was, is our number one guy. It's sort of, uh, it's sort of creepy and scary and all these things at the same time, Ben Stein. I think you, I think you nailed it uh, several months ago, uh, my friend, when you said, uh, Let's face the fact, this guy is not a Nobel Prize winner in virology. Uh, this guy is not a Nobel Prize winner in chemistry or biology. He is a civil servant, and he's been around in various civil service jobs for a long time. And uh, he's not considered a brilliant scientist by anyone except perhaps himself. And uh, I, I think uh, he, a, a better educated person would have realized that uh, the things he was suggesting were extremely, extremely dangerous and would have refrained from suggesting it and would have spoken very sharply to the president of the United States and said, uh, sir, you, you must tell the Chinese that we will take this very, very seriously. The problem is, what do we do about it? I mean, they don't care. Uh, they have, well, their understanding of the value of human lives is very different than ours. And uh, uh, they don't care really about uh, human lives being lost in large numbers because of mistakes in a lab. Uh, if that mistake in the lab makes them a, the world's number one superpower, uh, so uh, I don't know what we would do to get back at them. I, re I really don't. I mean, there's, there's, uh, it's, they're, they're sort of like people who just dropped an atom bomb on Pittsburgh, God forbid, dropped an atom bomb on Baltimore, God forbid, dropped an atom bomb on uh, Seattle, God forbid, and then said, so what are you going to do about it? And I believe what somebody said, I agree, it's Trump's biggest mistake, but my, a bigger point, and this is where journalism is absolutely dead, Ben, that nobody is at Fauci, who knew, who really knew that what type of virus this was, where it was made, and how deadly it was or could be, didn't give us the heads up. This is the same guy that wasn't responding, was saying masks off, masks on, all these different things that was giving Trump and everybody. I mean, it was like different network, different opinion on, on, on something. And nobody, there should be commissions. Forget, th gratefully, there's not going to be a January 6th commission, but there truly should be a, a Fauci commission of what he knew. Why didn't he inform the American people that he might have inside knowledge on how dangerous this is? That's a very, very good point. And uh, he might or he might not. I mean, I, as I said a moment ago, I don't think he's going to be winning any Nobel Prizes for chemistry or biology anytime soon. But definitely, he knew more than he was letting on. And the, the respect uh, that was given to him uh, is just uh, astounding, considering uh, the mistakes he's made. And, and, and I, I go back to what I think is an analogy, although on a much smaller scale, which is uh, Governor Cuomo of New York uh, is just sen sending old people to die uh, in COVID-infested nursing homes and completely getting away with it. No, no I mean, he, he was essentially committing... Uh, second, third, maybe first degree murder uh, on a large scale. He's, he's, there was a bit of a stink about it for a few days. Now he's completely gotten away with it. Fauci, I think, uh, is going to turn out to be responsible for an awful lot of mortality. And uh, he seems to have gotten completely away with it. It's, it's a very scary thing. Uh, maybe I'm misunderstanding it. I, it's entirely you know, wrong. you're completely right. With Gretchen Whitmer, the same thing in Michigan. She's oh. responsible for, for thousands upon thousands. They say their reporting is 100% off uh, of the deaths. That's how much they're, they're, that some people are, are speculating or calculating of the under-reporting under of deaths. But it goes to the bigger question. 
at what point, Ben Stein, do people sort of like, if you're in the media or you consider yourself a professional, do you be like people like Daniel Pearl who were beheaded? You know, go this idea that we couldn't get into China, that journalists couldn't get in there, they couldn't investigate, is BS. If, if Daniel Pearl could get to where he got to, and other journalists Pearl from Birmingham High School in Los Angeles, by the way, a good Jewish boy. If 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 if, if a good Jewish boy could get over there, how come we couldn't get? How come our journalists wouldn't go to China? And don't give me this; they weren't allowed in. You have sources, or you should have sources. And Ben, it's really, it's baffling. I mean, it's not baffling, but it's, 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 it's maddening. It's mad. It's maddening. Uh, as I say, if you're on the right side, you don't have to say you're sorry. There was a famous book called love story uh, written by a man whose name escapes me at the moment, but it was a huge, huge, huge bestseller. And the slug on the cover, the, the subtitle was love means never having to say you're sorry. And I would say being a liberal Democrat in uh, 2021 means never having to say you're sorry. But here's the deeper thing to that. I'm certain, you know, when we, we, with Joe Biden getting out, wanting to get back into the Paris Accords, it's idiotic. It's going to cost money. It's going to cost jobs. But it's the Paris Accords. We're talking about literally right now life or death things that aren't being investigated that journalists that journalists aren't investigating, Ben. And that's really where the I, I get when you don't want to do certain things because you, you choose party over whatever. But when it comes to life and death, we're talking about life and death with with COVID, with the origins of it, with so many other things. And their absolute inability to do real investigative journalism well, is, 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 is it, it could kill people. It has killed people, yeah. I think, endlessly. And I've written quite about this, quite a bit about this for the American Spectator, which is a wonderful, wonderful magazine. I strongly recommend it to everyone. So do uh, I. That, that, thank you. That, that the uh, uh, the Cambodian genocide was really caused by the U.S. withdrawal of support for the uh, a more or less a pro-American, pro-Western government. And then the withdrawal of U.S. troops and the withdrawal of any uh, consequences for anything that the Khmer Rouge did. And this led to the uh, murder of something like one third of the population of this country. Uh, and uh, Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward, uh, I think, uh, in large measure were responsible. Now, I will tell you, I've been a friend of Carl since 1954, and I like him very much. And I think uh, I can't believe he did it. But, but I think uh, Bob Woodward bears an awful lot of responsibility, which has never been laid upon his head his feet or his head, I should say, because he got rid of, helped in a big way to get rid of Nixon. And Nixon would never have let that uh, genocide happen. Never have happened. And that is, that's absolutely, I like, and this is to the people listening. I love this stuff because this isn't somebody speculating. This is somebody that actually know Carl Bernstein. Um, this is, Nixon. sorry. And new Richard Nixon. And new Richard Nixon. And, 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 and it, it's, it's sort of a, a fun thing of this show to, uh, it's the amazing thing of this show is to speak to somebody like Ben Stein, who, like, as I said, has lived the Gumpy in life. He has and been has been in so many different places throughout history. But if you just tuned in, it's just the two of us. Continue with the song, Ben. Um, I'm, I, I, you know, that's a very hard song to sing uh, unless you have a lot of background. Okay. It should really be used as a background for porn movies. I mean, we don't have any porn movies in this house. 
And, Wait a minute, maybe we do. Well, uh, ooh, a secret stash. And on that note, if you just tuned in, you're listening to the world according to Ben Stein. I want to remind everybody we're doing this tomorrow night again. We have a jam-filled uh, panel. Um, I want to remind everybody you can find Ben on um, uh, benstein.substack.com. But of course, please keep downloading the podcast. It's, cr- it's climbing up the Apple charts. It, we know even if you listen to it here, we beg of you to please down and listen to the episodes as much as you can on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher or every place you can get it. And we are truly humbled that we're climbing up the charts. It's really fun to see Ben's face on the charts. And I was looking at those staring at your face on the Apple charts today, and it was it was it was quite a bit of fun. And um, I want to welcome everybody back. Say that one more time. Okay. And uh, on that note, I want to welcome everybody back to that man's world, Benjamin Jeremy Stein. And we're talking about journalism. We're talking about, and I think Ben, the, the most frustrating thing for people on the right is never, it's never been about, uh, we're okay with getting crapped on. We're used to it. The problem is every, you know, I go back to the Don Rickles thing where he crapped on everybody and, you know, he was able to insult people, but everybody got crapped on. And if everybody's getting crapped on, everybody feels okay. Uh, but with the with the continuous Republicans, you, all we want is fair. Oh, gonna, that's a big thing. Oh, my friend, that, that's all you want. You're never going to get that, my friend. It doesn't happen. It does not happen. Um, no, you're you're completely right. I don't think Ben has any thoughts. By the way, to answer your question, what's the um, question? Well, China releasing the virus to keep India down? No, I don't think so. And the, no, I don't think so. And by the way, the Indians have an awful lot of people too. They can spare some people. But I think that China released the virus out. I, I think it was a mistake, but a mistake that people who have any kind of sanity or regard for human life would not make. They would. They would not risk anything con- conceivably like that. Like uh, that virus getting loose. But again, you I, wouldn't put it past them to do it. Excuse me. Uh, you wouldn't put it past them to do it. I wouldn't put it past them to do it by mistake. I don't. I think it'd be very unlikely they do it on purpose, but it's conceivable. But I, I, I will also say, kudos or kudos or however that word is pronounced to Mr. Donald Trump, who put into place Operation Warp Speed, which got us a vaccine for this horrible disease. At a, at a rate of speed that no one would have believed possible. And here's this guy, everybody's dumping on him what a dope he is and what a fool he is. And he got this vaccine done in a time that no one thought was conceivably possible and saved hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, maybe tens of millions of lives, gets no credit for it whatsoever at all, period. And it's also an interesting question. And if we keep if we keep on our Talmudic studies tonight, the next question then would be, they got the vaccine so quickly, Ben, at such a fast pace that it makes one wonder if they knew about the virus in the first place. And if you go, if you get where I'm thinking about that in that train of thinking, if you have the cure so quickly, maybe you knew about the virus in the first place. I know uh, that's that's possible. Although I must say, my understanding of viruses is, is that they're so complicated that. Uh, to know about them in, in advance is extremely tr- tricky and difficult. And that uh, I, I just, I think that's beyond the uh, possibilities of uh, the American intelligence service or, or any intelligence service. And, no. and, by, and by the way, I, I think it's, it's 
it's kind of, if we back up, as I always say, I'm the oldest person on this panel by a lot. The Chinese accused the U.S. of using germ warfare in the Korean War. And this was not gas, not, not, not gas, like Korean gas or mustard gas or Zyklon B, God help us, but germ agents, which is to say viruses. Nobody had ever thought to accuse any other government of using viruses. And I have the feeling that the Chinese, as soon as they took power in uh, 1949 or 50 in China, must have turned their laboratories immediately to working on germ warfare because how else to even the playing field a little bit with the United States of America, which had hundreds, maybe thousands of atom bombs and B-29s to deliver them. And the Russians who are by no means the friends of the Chinese making very quick progress was getting their own A-bombs and then H-bombs. So uh, maybe they maybe they were working on it right away, and the U.S. had some people there who knew that they were working on. It, although to exact to know the exact structure of the germ, that it seems to me would be assuming an awful lot. But 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 I could be wrong. You no, know, I'm just raising. You know, I'm just going down the Talmudic rabbit hole. And somebody raised a, a point in the chat. It was where I disagree with you. They said it's a terrible bioweapon. No, it's an incredibly great bioweapon. It put the world on. If it was a bioweapon, it put the world on lockdown, for which it's in many places it's still going on, and it's killed a lot of people over in, in, in a little over a year. So I wouldn't call something that's done that that's literally shut down economies and and destroyed certain nations a a, a, um, a bad bioweapon. But I want to get back to something. Let's go back to what you were talking about before. Um, and I think you're talking a lot about civic duty and civic responsibility. And when you look at the, the former House members, you know, from the from back from obviously there was a certain point when everybody when most people served. Obviously, there was a certain point when many in the House served our country just by just by fact of World War Two or, or the drafted through the Vietnam War ban or the Korean War. There were people that that that, you know, came into the House that served the country prior. And when you bring up people like Kamala Harris, when you bring up people like or we bring up these other people, it's really it, 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 it. And I'm not saying you have to have served to obviously be in the House. But on the other hand, know a little bit about the history of our country. Yeah, well, Mrs. Harris, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know how I don't know how much Mrs. Harris knows about anything. Uh, I'm scratching my back. Or you, usually I have somebody here to scratch my back, but he's been arrested. Um I don't. Uh, I don't know how much Ms. Harris knows about anything. Uh, I, and as I've told you many, many times, Mr. Nixon, my hero, had a very low opinion of House of Representative members. Uh, I don't know that she knows anything. For her to have gone through uh, Memorial Day of her first year in office and not mentioned what Memorial Day was is it, it, almost unbelievable. Well, remember, she still hasn't been to the border. Right. So. so Incredible. And this is where journalism, can you imagine, I hate using the can you imagine thing, but if if there was reverse parties and this was going on, you would have a thousand reporters um, just knocking. Outside her house. Yeah, outside of her house going, when are you going to the border? What's up with the border? Every single, I mean, and and, and I know we're never going to have fair and I know, Ben, we're never going to have partial, but did you ever expect to see it like this? I didn't think it would be this bad, although I have to say, 
once Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Biden won, and once I saw that uh, Mrs. Harris was going to be vice president, I didn't. Uh, I had very, very low expectations of uh, of either of them. I mean, I mean there's nothing that, that either of them has ever done, which was she didn't intend to give anyone high expectations of them. But uh, I'm not. By the let me back up. I'm not sure what good it would do for her to go to the for her to go to the border. She's. I mean, the border is, you don't achieve magical powers by going to the border, but, uh, but her, her, her disdain for this incredibly important task that the president has given her is heartbreaking, just heartbreaking. I mean, this country is in, in essence being invaded by a very large number of illegal aliens, many of whom carry diseases, many of whom are carrying drugs with them, many of whom are carrying weapons with them. And we don't know who they are. We don't know if they have criminal records. They probably do. Some do, some don't, I guess. Uh, it's kind of terrifying. We're being invaded on our southern border. And the president is basically saying, come on in, boys, come on in. I know it's brilliantly said, but I want to I want to go to something else. OK, so okay. I want to get so you had six Republicans who voted for for the January 6th thing. You know, the obvious ones were the obvious ones, but you had the Bill Cassidy from Louisiana and it, it, I want to know, Ben, what it is. Richard Nixon, because you speak of him a lot, obviously, and so, so do I. He's just a heroic figure, one of the greatest presidents the United States has ever had, probably one of the smartest presidents the United States has ever had. He, he, he knew his base. He knew the party. He, he was in touch with the, with, with the conservative movement, with the Republican Party. As my, and the only other person I'll say, obviously, is Trump. And what is it about these guys in, in the party that don't listen to their constituents? Because it seems a lot more on the left. They listen to their constituents way more than the House Republicans or the House Senator or the Republican senators ever do. They don't care about the voter, it seems. Well, they don't care about much at all. I mean, I, I, I by the way, I, I, I think you're drawing a, perhaps a false dichotomy between the Republicans and the Democrats. I think the Democrats are more energetic than the Republicans. I think the Democrats uh, have more, um, what should I say, more anger, which motivates them in a way to be more energetic. But uh, we have some, we have some perfectly good Republicans in Congress. And uh, I think we have a division among the usual panel members here uh, about Tom Cotton. I happen to think he's just absolutely great. I think this is- No, I agree with you. I think Tom Cotton's great. I just don't think he's got that energy. I don't well, think he's- I, I, I've I've been with him in the rooms a couple of times where he's spoken. I think he's pretty good. And uh, uh, I mean, talk about it. I mean, obviously, a professor doesn't need energy like Mr. Biden. I mean, the guy is barely alive. Yeah, but that doesn't matter, Ben. Ben, we know that doesn't matter. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You know that he's getting ice cream questions is is uh, you know a three a three minute thing on chocolate chip cookies and him talking about you know him liking uh, telling a young girl that she's yeah God bless him liking her braids heartland as my wife the saint of saints the goddess of goddesses would say it's heartrending so my question goes back to the point Nixon had no support from his party he had he had no very, support very little, very little at the end. But he had still had support of his of his base of his voters. Why did they not listen to the base? Because Ben, sixty six to seventy percent of the Republican Party now says they will re- in twenty twenty four Trump will win for uh, you know they, they, they're going to go support President Trump. 
you have people like Paul Ryan coming out and saying, we have to change our principles. We can't be the party attached to Trump. First of all, thank God he's not in the House anymore to cause more damage. But what is it about these people, Ben, that don't realize you, you don't, yeah, I don't know how, you don't have a base, that Paul Ryan, nobody cares about you, that the George Wills, that all these people, that the party you had 20 years ago, people aren't coming to. Well, sir, I, I'm so glad you mentioned those people, especially George Will, whom I've known for a long time, who's a very wonderful, intelligent man. But their party is the parties in Georgetown. Their party is the parties in Bethesda. Their party is the parties at the Chevy Chase Club and the F Street Club. That's their party. Their party is not the guy driving a truck and wondering why it is that black children get a free education and his children don't. Their party is not, their party is the, is the party of people who are flown around in corporate jets to speak at, at uh, events for 50 or $100,000 a pop. It's not the party of people who are thinking to themselves, why is it that when my wife gets sick, she doesn't have any home care, home health care, and whereas if, he, if she were African-American, she would have all the home health care she wanted. They are, that's their party. They will not listen to that party. They want to be party hardy. I mean, what I keep thinking of whenever you talk about party is party hardy. That's what, that's what kind of what they're interested in. And on that note, if you just tuned in, you are listening to the Saturday Night Special of The World According to Ben Stein. Get your questions in now. We're going to do a shortened show tonight. Um, and I'm going to get to Nostromo in a second. I don't disagree with that thought, but I want to remind everybody that you can find Ben on Parlor at Ben Stein. Of course, um, you can find Ben at benstein.substack.com. Get that email, comment. Also, of course, can please continue with the downloads. They've been amazing. Um, it's greatly appreciated. Um, I'm reading one of the compliment. I'm reading one of the compliments. It says somebody wrote uh, Paul Ryan's an elite pansy. Um, I, 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 I sort of find that funny. I also find it comical, Ben Stein, that he thought if he had like Jay-Z or cool people on his uh, iPad, he'd be accepted. And I'm like, yeah, that's... It's funny. It's that's, funny. that's that's what's going to get you accepted by the left is who you have on your iPod. Um, but uh, I want to welcome everybody back to the world of Corner Ben Stein. Remember, tomorrow night, seven o'clock, we will be here with you. Um, uh, I, somebody brought up the point of Ron DeSantis, and I like Ron DeSantis. This is what people don't understand, Ben, and and, and this is where you you, you um constantly um uh, what's the word uh, say nice things about my acumen of. Uh, my political acumen, you compliment my political acumen. And <clears throat> the, the problem with, with Ron DeSantis, and I like Ron DeSantis a lot, I don't know if he caters to the Wisconsin's. I don't know if he caters to the blue states that you have to win. There, it, it's, it's, it's a very thin, you know, it's a very thin line, Ben, of, of a, 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 a Republican like DeSantis or Abbott that could cross over. There's very few that have that crossover appeal. And I don't know if DeSantis has it. I haven't, I, I, don't, I, don't, know any, I don't know if any of them have. I mean, I don't think Biden had it. I don't think Kamala Harris had it. It takes somebody, we, we Republicans have to have somebody who has extraordinary charisma. That's Donald Trump. That's Ronald Reagan. Uh, that's was George Bush 41. Even to some extent, next George Bush, uh, but we don't we don't have anyone right now who's displaying extraordinary charisma because we don't have the media. So we have to have somebody who has so much charisma that he can overcome the extra, extraordinary imbalance 
powers in the media. Who that's going to be, I don't know. I keep saying to you, Judah, my dear friend, we Republicans have to think of a program, a plan that we want to put into action. I don't think it's as important who our nominee is as a who as what we plan to do. I mean, what what do we plan to do? One one thing I hope we plan to do is not bankrupt the country by spending nineteen point one trillion dollars uh, to stimulate the economy when the economy is already reviving at a dangerously fast pace. Uh, one thing I don't think we need to do is spend six trillion six plus trillion dollars of, of teaching people that uh, women uh, can can be can be uh, running competing against other women even if they have uh, male generals. I mean, I, I don't think we, we need to be spending a lot of money on gender studies. I, 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 it's funny, I ran into a very nice uh, young woman at uh, the pavilions near my house, and I asked her, a very, very nice woman, I've been friends with her for years, I asked her what she was going to do with herself. She, she, had, she had been planning to be a physician, and now she said she planned to study gender studies. I really felt like crying. I really felt like crying. I, I don't know. I don't even know how you respond to a person like that. I, I, I said, I, God, I said, God bless you. Sweetheart. Good luck. And uh, somebody brought up in the chat and, and I will go back to this thing. And I, 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 my views on him have changed for the greater. I think he was one of biggest Trump's biggest advocates. I like, I, I think he's a great person and is who's Ted Cruz, but go back to a Ted Cruz can't cross that line. He just, we have to be honest with who we're getting as candidates. And this goes from the bottom of the bill to the top of the bill. Can you, that person win? Can that person cross the threshold? And we fluked with Bush. Let's be real. He was running against, you know, the most boring man in America, which was Al Gore. And he got lucky. But um, we really, we, we, you know, you could bring up Marco Rubio. They don't have, they're missing that thing. And you're right, Ben. It's a once in a, it's a generational thing from Reagan, from Nixon, from Trump. And that's why many people believe Trump will run again and why he's starting to hold rallies again, because there is nobody else. Well, he does. Correct. I, I don't know what the state of, of Mr. Trump's health is. He's older than I am, and uh, I have a hard time walking up and down the stairs. So uh, if he can run up and down the stairs to, to give speeches, more power to him. But uh, I'm... Uh, I, 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 li- I like him. I'd like to see uh, some uh, results of tests about his stamina and his, and his energy. Uh, but I like him. And I think he had the right idea about a lot of things. We're now seeing incredible, you know, it's, it's incredible. My, my old, my former editor, uh, the great genius, Michael Corder, used to describe some of his authors as having the attention, the attention span of a gnat. A gnat is a very small, tiny little insect. And uh, I think a lot of the media has the attention span of a gnat. I mean, we just last week or the week before had a good-sized war in the Middle East. Uh, it was started in large measure by Mr. Biden saying, "Go ahead and do it, Palestinians. We're not going to stand. We're not going to hold, hold you uh, back from doing it. And uh, in fact, we're going to treat you as the moral equivalent of the children of Israel." Uh, that seems to have been completely forgotten already. We have to have some candidate. And a plan, a program. See, but here's the problem with that, Ben. I agree with you completely. Ben, I agree with you completely. But you brought up two things that contradict each other. Because you're bringing up um, a person that has a plan, which is 100% correct, right? Who has a vision. But on the, but on the other point you brought up, we, since we can't get into the media, who's going to hear that point? So you need charisma before you get planned. Because if you don't have the charisma, 
Nobody's coming to hear your plan. Yeah, right, right, right. We need charisma and a plan. Exactly. Now, what is the plan going to be? I mean, I, I think one incredibly important plan would be to have a race-neutral America. Just have an America that is not the racialist state that the, the Democrats, especially uh, Mr. Biden and Mrs. Harris, are pushing as a, a country which favors people of certain races. I'd like to see an America which, as Martin Luther King said, judged people by their characters. Uh, we're, we're not seeing that. That's, that's a big, gigantic step in the right direction. I'd like to see an America which says we stand for freedom all over the world. We don't just stand for freedom in Newark or freedom in Little Rock or freedom in, in uh, Jackson, Mississippi. We stand for freedom all over the world. I'd like to see that person in, in high office. But uh, I think we, 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 we have a couple of people who could conceivably carry that message. And uh, why, I, I guess the problem is we, we can't really give them tryouts because the media won't have them on to talk. So, that, so that's the real problem. We, we, have, we have to figure out some way of getting around the mainstream media to give these people a chance to speak their minds and to, to explain what their program is. I mean, that would be actually a really great game show by Donald Trump, where he actually started doing The Apprentice if he decides not to run, where he holds rallies. And it's sort of like um, he has the top five candidates up there because he because networks are going to have to cover him because CNN and MSNBC's ratings are so bad. They need President Trump. So he could almost start doing an apprentice style show of testing out future candidates. CNN's numbers, Ben, have dropped. Uh, in the gut, in the toilet. Well, it, I don't know. That. I, I I don't know what to say about that. I mean, good luck. I'd like all I'd like all television shows to do well. But uh, why why don't we hope that we can come up with a convincing party program, and then hope that we can get a candidate who will, who will get it across? I mean, we we don't, it's not true that Republicans have no good candidates. I I, I I respectfully say again for the millionth time. Every time Mr. Cotton opens his mouth, he, he makes an incredible amount of sense. As he's not, he's not Billy Graham, the great orator and preacher, but he, every time he opens his mouth, he makes a lot of sense biblically, spiritually, constitutionally, and in just in terms of good sense. No, listen, Ben. I like Tom Cotton. I think he's a great guy. He served our country. I mean, he's, you know, he's yeah, brilliantly, brilliantly. Just, just a true patriot. This is nothing against Tom Cotton. Sometimes you just get a feeling for a person. It, it, it's not a. It, it's not a bad thing. Some people, you know, are are, are are just. It's not in them, and I don't know if it's if it's in him yet. If if you could if you could get that. If you could. If, if I don't know any more, Ben, if sincerity is 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 the top of the ticket. Then and sincerity has never been the top of the ticket. Look, the most popular president in, in of the century in terms of, of election getting was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He totally hid who he was uh, for his whole uh, term in office. People didn't know he was uh, severely disabled. People didn't know he had a girlfriend. I guess he wasn't that severely disabled. He had a girlfriend. Uh, people didn't know that he was a very, very serious racist. I mean, he it's incredible. He's on the record as saying America is supposed to be for Northern European Protestants, not for Jews, not for Blacks, not for Italians, Northern European Protestants. Nobody ever brings that up. So people can hide who they are pretty well and still get ahead. 
I'd like to see somebody who can who can appeal before the cameras. But before we do that, I have to sing. Okay, because my wife and I have been practicing singing. But hold, but hold on one second. I just want to give the name because we're, 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 we are going to end the show early. But somebody gave the name for the show, The Candidate by Donald Trump. And I think um, that's a great name for, for uh, Trump's uh, new reality show, Ben. I think it is a very good name. A very, very good name. But we don't want him to call it the Manchurian Gallery. <laughs> no, we have that. Uh, well put, well put, well, well put. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. We are not afraid today. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe. We are not afraid today. We'll walk hand in hand. We'll walk hand in hand. We'll walk hand in hand. We'll walk hand in hand someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe we'll walk hand in hand someday. We shall not be moved. We shall not be moved. Well, my point, I'm making a point. This isn't just about... Can you uh, imagine, Ben, if somebody just out of nowhere just turned it on when you started singing? I, I would like to say I want a Republican candidate who can sing that and mean it from the bottom of his or her heart and I don't see why the Republican candidate has to be white. We are seeing, I turn on the TV and I see some very, very excellent African-American conservatives. I'd like to see them have a shot at it too. The fact that they are white is that's one thing and to be taken into account, but there are many charismatic black speakers and singers. I'd like to see one of those people be given a shot and toss his hat in the ring too, or her hat in the ring. And I agree with you completely there. We have, we have, we have a large field. The question, Ben, is will they be able to get their voices out there and somebody, and just because if we poo poo or we disagree on ideas, it doesn't mean we don't think they're good people. I think Jim Jordan is somebody brought up as a good guy. Good guy but, very good. I've met him. He's a very good guy. And he's a, he's a tough, he's a tough fighter, but I don't think like somebody like Jim Jordan has, you have to really start thinking who has that crossover appeal I hate that that's how you have to think about things, but that truly is, Ben Stein, how we have to start thinking. Well, we have to think about somebody who can not only cross over, but who can get out the base in big numbers. We, can right. say, we, want, we want to talk about somebody who's going to say, we want you to go to the prison where they're holding the people who demonstrated that the Capitol January says did nothing violent, maybe one or two of them out of a couple of thousand, and they should be severely prosecuted. But who will go and pray on their knees for day after day, week after week, month after month, for God to have, show mercy and show Americans the meaning of justice. And on that note, I want to thank everybody for listening to us tonight. I want to remind you, we'll be here tomorrow night, same time with the Power Pack panel. Uh, we'll be discussing Memorial Day, obviously, and what it means, what it means to everybody, because I think it is so important to discuss Memorial Day. Um, it is, it is, it, I don't think kids are being taught it. I, I, I don't think people under 40 even know what it means other than it's a day off and it's a barbecue, 
Um, I want to thank everybody. Like I said, remember, go download the podcast um, wherever that podcasts are downloadable. Uh, Benstein.substack.com. Of course, you can find Benstein at spectator.org. Most fantastic pieces. You could sometimes find them on Newsmax. Um, I want to wish every, tell everybody to have a safe, happy rest of your Saturday night. Don't despair. There are people out there, no matter what you're going through. I'd say it, I say that to myself every day. So I'm not just saying that to you. Um, and Ben Stein, you've sung us out. I don't know if you want to do one more, but um, it's up to you. If you miss me in the back of the bus, you can't find me nowhere. Oh, come on over to the front of the bus. I'll be sitting right there. I'll be sitting right there. I'll be sitting right there. Oh, come on over to the front of the bus. I'll be sitting right there. God bless you, and God bless the people who fought for this great country under the most incredibly horrible circumstances imaginable. God bless their families who were terrified and sobbed about them night after night. God bless this great United States of America, the best invention of mankind. Couldn't be better said. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much.